So for the past several weeks, we've been studying through Paul's letter to the Galatians here on Sunday mornings. And uh, at Whitefields, you know, we believe that the Bible is the very word of God. That God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us right where we are, here and now. And, uh, and he speaks to us things that pertain to our lives, where we are at, here in Colorado, 2013. God's word reveals to us truth about ourselves, the world that we live in, a truth that we can uh, apply to our lives that will really affect the way that we live, the way that we think, and the way that we approach people and situations. And you know, really the whole Bible from beginning to end, it has one singular, one unified central message, and that is the message of the gospel. That's what we get together to study every week. The good news of Jesus Christ. It's on every page, every chapter. And, and when you look at these verses, you look at these books that make up the Bible and the chapters that make them up, when you look at them, they all come together to form this complete picture of what is the gospel. And here in Galatians, the aspect of the gospel that is really in focus is the theme of justification. The message of Galatians is that there is justification in Christ that can be yours as a gift. It can be received by faith because of what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. In your place, you can be justified before God. And if you are justified in Christ, your justification is not based on your works, not based on your accomplishments. Anything you've done is based fully on what Christ has done for you on the cross. We receive that gift of justification by faith. Now, now you might hear me say this, and some of you might say, well, Nick, you just were talking about how relevant the Bible is to where we're at today, and then you throw us this big, dry theological word, justification. I thought you said this book was relevant, that it speaks to me where I'm at today. Justification doesn't sound very relevant. It actually sounds very abstract, right? Very disconnected from real life. Well, what I'm here today to tell you is this, that justification is extremely relevant. It's more relevant than you even realize. Whether you realize it or not, every single person in the world is striving after justification. And that includes you, you and me. We are striving after justification, whether you realize it or not. People around you, everybody where we live, our neighbors, our friends, people here in Colorado, this is why they need to hear the message of Galatians. Why? Because everybody is seeking justification. Everybody's striving after it. They're looking to be justified. They're trying to be justified in various ways. What do I mean by justification? Let me give you some examples to show you what I'm talking about, to show you what it looks like when people are striving to be justified. A number of years ago, Madonna did an interview with uh, Vanity Fair magazine in which she talked about how she has been able to stay on the cutting edge of pop culture for over 30 years, how she's been able to constantly reinvent herself. And this is what she said. It's, it's quite revealing. She says this, I have an iron will and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself a special human being. And then I get to another stage and think that I'm mediocre and uninteresting. Again and again, my drive in this life is from what? It's from a horrible fear of being mediocre. 
And that's what's always pushing me, always pushing me, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended and probably never will. Do you get what I'm saying? Everybody's trying to be justified. Madonna is articulating something here which most people feel but never admit. She's admitting that the, the thing that really drives her and motivates her in life, that motivates her in her career, that motivates her to accomplish things and push forward is this fear of significance. She's not doing it out of joy. She's doing it out of fear. She's trying to prove that she is somebody, that her life has meaning, that her life has purpose, that she's significant. What is she doing? She's trying to justify her existence. In a, here's another one for you. In the, in the movie Chariots of Fire, right? It's the story of two men. It's a true story, actually, of two men who were runners in the Olympics in 1924 for Great Britain. And, uh, you know, the story follows these two men, and, and it really shows a, a big difference in the way that they think about running. The one man says that he's a Christian. He says when he runs, he runs out of joy because when he runs, he feels the pleasure of God. But the other man is a, is a different story altogether. He, he, uh, he, at one point in the movie, someone asks him, why do you run? And he says, I don't do it out of joy. It's, it's more of an addiction, really. He says, why do I run? And, and at one point, he actually admits this. He says, uh, you know, the reason I try so hard, the reason I, I, I run so hard is because when that gun goes off, I have 10 seconds to justify my whole existence. What he's saying is this. He says, I want to know that I'm justified in being here. I want to know that my life counts, that I'm worth something, that I'm worthy of acceptance, and I'm trying to convince myself all the time. I'm trying to convince other people that indeed I am worthy. I'm trying to justify my existence, and the way I do it is by being a runner. So for this man, that when the crowd cheered and when he won the gold medal, which he actually did, these things were more than just success. They were justification. There are things that made him feel that his life had value, that it had meaning, that it had purpose. Here's another one for you. Sidney Pollack, he's a famous actor and, and film producer. He, he died a few years ago, but uh, he acted and produced uh, a ton of movies, won a bunch of Academy Awards, uh, and before he died, uh, he died of cancer actually, and before he died, an article was written about him and about how everything that he was doing he would just continue doing it even though he was dying he was falling apart physically he refused to stop working he just said I can't stop working he just kept on making movies and, and this article talked about how in his final years his family members were begging him to slow down and stop working so they could spend more time with him before he passed away but he he refused to do, do so. In fact, he said that he couldn't stop working, and here's why. He said, I can't stop working because I can't justify my existence if I stop. He said, every time I finish a picture, I feel like I've earned my stay for another year or so. I can't justify my existence if I stop working. So, you know, the thing is, he would create a movie, he would feel justified, he would feel like his life mattered for a time but then guess what he had to begin again he had to keep doing it over and over why did this man work himself to death 
Why couldn't he just stop working, even, even if it was, when it was killing him? Why couldn't he stop, even though his loved ones begged him to stop? Well, it wasn't because he needed the money. That's obvious. It was why, because he felt a need to achieve something. His achievements were his justification. They were the thing that he could point to and say, this is why my life matters. This is why my life counts. But here's the thing, like, like Madonna, like Harold Abrams, this thing that he did to find his justification, it was a hard master. It was a hard master because here's why, it was never enough. He could never make enough movies. He could never do enough. He could never achieve enough to feel good about himself. It was just good for a little bit and then he would have to continue doing it to get a sense of justification. And you look at these people and you see people who are driven, right? But when you hear them talk about why they are driven, what you realize is that they are slaves. They're slaves. They live in fear all the time. They can't stop. They don't take a break. They can't rest because they must always be achieving something. Why? Because if they don't, they lose their sense of justification. Do you get what I'm saying? They're striving for justification and they're trying to create their own justification by their own achievements. And here's what happens when you do that. These people are slaves to the thing that gives them meaning and purpose and value. They're slaves to it. If they don't have it, they feel that their existence isn't justified. So here's the question for you. Let me bring it home. What is it for you? Where do you find your justification? Where do you seek to justify your existence? Where is the thing that you would point to? What is the thing that you would point to and say, this is why my life matters. This is why my life counts. This is what makes me worthy and acceptable. Let me give you an example that might fit a little closer to home. This is the last one. There was an article written by a man who had chosen a, a, to pursue a particular career path. And, uh, and unfortunately for him, this career he had been pursuing was not working out. He, he didn't have success in the field that he was hoping to have had. And he wrote an article about his feelings about it. And he said that occasionally he begins to wonder, well then, if, it's not, if this isn't working out, this thing that I've pursued, then what am I really living for? What is my purpose in life? Why am I here? But then he wrote this, but here's my justification. He actually used those words. Can you believe that? He said, here's my justification. I have two little girls, and when I look at them, I know that my, my existence is justified. They give meaning and purpose to my life. And there are many people who would look at this, who, who, who are like this man. They would look at that and say, well, that sounds a lot like me. I also look at my kids and I say, you know what? There's not really anything I do in my life that makes it really count except for my kids. They are my justification. And the thing is, though, that these people who, who, who find their justification in their children or in their family, these are the people who will not be satisfied unless they have perfect kids because their kids are their just justification, their family, their passion for having a perfect and successful family. It's not really about the family. It's not really about the kids. It's about them. It's about that validation, that justification. It's the reason they live. It's the thing that makes them acceptable. Why do I say all this? Here's why. 
I want you to see that the message of Galatians is so relevant to each and every one of us here today. It's so relevant for people in the place that we live. Here's why. Because everybody is seeking justification. And basically what it comes down to is that everybody who tries to justify themselves, they become a slave to that thing which they seek to be justified by. If you seek to be justified by your achievements, then you will become a slave to your achievements. That's exactly what we see in the lives of these people I mentioned earlier. They, they were finding their justification of things that they did, their accomplishments, the things that they achieved, but it was never enough. They became slaves to those things. They weren't doing them out of joy. They were doing them out of fear. Fear that if they didn't perform well enough, they would lose their justification. But here is the message of the gospel. This is what we've been doing every week. We look at the text and we say, here is the gospel. Remember we said last week, here is the gospel. You've been adopted in Christ. You've been clothed in Christ. Well, here's the gospel for today from chapter 4 of Galatians. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. In the gospel of Luke, we read about how Jesus began his ministry. He was first baptized in the Jordan River. And then he went out into the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted. His faith was put to the test. And, and did you know that that's how it often goes? After you take a step of faith, oftentimes whether it's getting baptized or doing some other step of faith and obedience to God, oftentimes afterwards, God will allow you to go through a season of testing, having your faith be tried and put to the test. Don't be surprised by it. The same thing happened to Jesus. So Jesus comes out of the wilderness after this time of testing. It says there in Luke 4 that he began to preach and teach in the region of Galatia. And as he was doing that, at one point he comes to the town of Nazareth. This is his hometown. This is the place where he grew up. And it says that according to his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And they offered to let him read from the scriptures. So Jesus stands up and this is what it says. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing boom I kind of imagine this like Jesus is just he says this and everybody's like whoa and he just drops the mic and walks out <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he had a microphone but if he did I, I think that's how he would have done it so this is huge this is monumental people are like Whoa, what just happened? Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he announces. They say, you can read a scripture. We don't want you to preach. We just want you to read. So Jesus says, I can do that. I can read. So he reads this scripture and says, this is who I am. This is why I came. Fulfilled today in your presence. Boom. I have come to set the captives free. The question is this. He says he's come to set the captives free. He's come to set free those who are oppressed question is who are these captives who are these captives he's talking about there's a very obvious answer 
The captives are you. The captives are me. We are the captives. Jesus came to set us free. So if we're the captives and Jesus came to set us free, then the question is, what did he come to set us free from? The Bible gives us two answers. There are two different kinds of slavery, two different kinds of captivity that Jesus comes to set us free from, to set you free from. Number one, we read in Romans chapter six that Jesus came to set us free from bondage to sin. It says in Romans 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The message of the gospel is that in Jesus we receive a new life. We become new people and the person we were apart from him before we came to know him is put to death. We become a new person, new life in him. That's the significance of baptism. That's why we do it the way we do it. When the person is submerged underwater, that is a symbol of death and burial. They're brought out of the water as a symbol of new life, rebirth in Christ. And, and that's why Paul says in Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in Christ, we receive a new life. The things that we were formerly enslaved to, addiction, habitual sin, things that we wanted to stop doing but we just couldn't seem to be able to overcome, Jesus sets us free from those things. He says, you have died to those things. You don't have to live to them any longer. And he says, I'll give you my spirit to help you overcome addiction, habitual sin, that you would no longer be enslaved. If there's any of you in here who feel in bondage to some form of sin, you need to know that Jesus Christ came to set you free from being a slave to sin. But here's the second one, and this is really what we're here to talk about today in Galatians chapter four. Jesus, first of all, came to set us free from bondage to sin, but secondly, Jesus came to set us free from bondage to futility. Jesus came to set us free from bondage to futility. This is what we read in Romans eight. Creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from bondage to corruption or bondage to vanity and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Again, some translations translate futility as vanity. They, they translate the corruption as the word vanity. And that's an interesting word, and here's why. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the king of Israel, right? He talks about his life and everything he's experienced in life. All the things that this world has to offer only to realize that they're all vanity. You ever read that book? He says, vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. And he goes through this whole list, right? He goes through all these things. He says, money, I sought fulfillment. I sought justification in money. But you know what? I got all the money in the world and it didn't satisfy it didn't justify my existence. It didn't fulfill. He says, you know what? Then I thought it must be partying. So I started partying like crazy. He says, I, I brought in animals from Africa, peacocks and all these things. He said, I studied zoology. I, I went to school. I gained all the wisdom and knowledge in the world. But it was vanity. It was vanity. It didn't justify me. It didn't fulfill me. 
He says he, seeked all, he sought all the pleasures in the world, but it was all vanity. And he says at the end, I've sought after all these things, and I've actually attained them. All the things that people think will really justify their existence. He says, I've had those things, and let me tell you this, they are vanity. They're chasing after the wind. You're never going to catch it. You're never going to take hold of what you want in those things. They will always leave you empty. Now, some people find that book of Ecclesiastes to be quite depressing, really. If, if anything, they find it to be confusing. I don't know how many people I've had come up to me and say, I read Ecclesiastes, and I'm confused. I'm not really sure what's going on right now, you know? Please help me. But, but here's the thing. Ecclesiastes, if you really get the message of the book, and it's, and it's really found at the end of the book, it's very profound, and it's very insightful and helpful. Here's the point of the book in a nutshell. Do not make the mistake of living for the things of this world. Do not put your hope in the things of this world because none of it will ever fulfill you. None of it. It will always leave you empty. The things of this world, money, accomplishment, power, knowledge, it's all vanity. It's all futile. The only thing that matters in the end is to know God, to walk with him. Everything else is vanity. And so what do we read here in Galatians chapter 4? Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. You were enslaved to them. But now that you have come to know God, or rather been known by God, how can you turn back again to what? To the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to become once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years, and I'm afraid that I have labored over you in vain. What Paul's basically saying here in, in Galatians 4 is this. Everyone in the world is seeking justification. Everyone is trying to justify themselves, whether in their career or in their family life or even in their religious commitments. People are trying to justify themselves by their accomplishments. So they can have something to point to and say, this is why I'm acceptable. This is why I'm worthy. This is why my justification or my existence is justified. But what he's saying is this, it's vanity. It's all vanity. It's impossible. It's chasing after the wind. No matter how much you accomplish, no matter how much you attain, like the people in the stories I mentioned earlier, it will never be enough. You will just be a slave to that thing in which you try to be justified. And here's why. Because each and every one of us, we have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how many good things we do, no matter how many accomplishments we make, no matter how many rules we keep, it will never be enough to make up for our failures. It's like this. If I, if I break the law, if I rob a bank and I go into court, right, it's not going to matter how many good things I've done. I'm never going to be able to make up for that thing that I did, right? They're not going to care if I volunteered at the hospital or did whatever. I can't make up for the one thing I did by my own accomplishments. See, here, here's what the word justification means. Justification means to be made righteous, to be made perfect and acceptable. And when we talk about justification, what this thing that everybody in the world is striving after, here's why no one can attain it. Because no matter how hard we try, we cannot make ourselves righteous. No matter how many good things we do, they will never make up for our shortcomings. 
And that is why seeking to justify ourselves is like chasing after the wind. It's vanity. It's futile. That's what it means to be in bondage to vanity. It means to be in bondage to the, the things of this world because you're seeking your justification in those things. And that's why it's so sad when I, when I tell you these stories that I started off with at the beginning. All these people, they're trying to justify themselves only to realize that no matter how hard they try, no matter how much they do, it's never enough. They will always have a sense, a nagging sense of inadequacy, that they haven't done enough, that they haven't produced enough, they haven't performed enough. And that is exactly the point Paul's making here in these verses. Everyone who's trying to be justified by their own accomplishments is a slave to those accomplishments. It's a black hole. It's a bottomless pit. It will always demand more from you, but it will never give you anything in return. A person who's trying to justify themselves is enslaved to the weak and worthless principles of this world. They're in bondage to vanity. No matter how hard they try, it will never be able to make up for their shortcomings. But the gospel message is this. There is another way. There's another way to be justified. Jesus came into this world to set the captives free. We were in slavery to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world. But he came to set us free from the bondage to vanity of trying to justify ourselves by our own works and accomplishments. And he did it by justifying us freely by his grace, completely undeserved, completely unearned, unmerited. We were striving in vain to justify ourselves, but he came along and offered us justification freely as a gift. Here's what was happening in Galatia. Here's the situation that Paul's writing into. These people, they had become Christians. They had been pagans previously, but they had heard the gospel and trusted in Jesus for their justification, that because of what he had done for them on the cross, they were justified, not because of anything they had done, but because of what had been done for them by Christ on the cross, by God sending his son to die for them in their place. But now these same Christians had become legalists. They had started to believe that they needed to keep certain rituals in order to earn God's favor. They, need, they believe that they had to start, uh, they started acting and believing that their right standing before God was based on what they did rather than based on God's grace. They believed they had to justify themselves before God. They had to earn his love and blessings by religious adherence rather than simply accepting the gospel which said that they were already justified in Christ. So what Paul says to them is this. Guys, don't you realize that your legalism actually has more in common with your paganism than it does with the gospel? Do you realize that? Your legalism is more like paganism than it is the gospel. Because every other religion in the world, every other pagan religion, whether we're talking about other you know, major religions, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, they're all predicated on one main idea, and that's this. You have to perform. And if you perform well enough, then maybe you will be acceptable to God. And this is what makes the Christian gospel of Jesus Christ unique. It says that you could never be good enough. You could never do enough to be acceptable to God, but God loves you in spite of that. 
He loves you in spite of that. And in spite of it, he reaches out the hand of friendship. He extends the hand of friendship to you and offers it to you that he will make you acceptable. That is the great doctrine of justification by grace through faith. Not only have we been justified by God's grace, we have been set free in Christ. To become a legalist, as is our, our natural tendency as, as human beings, to become a legalist is actually to submit yourself again to a bondage to vanity. This very thing that Christ came to set you free from. That's why Paul says in chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So let me ask you this. What is your story of justification? If you were to talk about the justification of your life, like these people did in the stories I told earlier, what would your story sound like? Would it be about your accomplishments? Would it be about your achievements? I've attained this, I've done this, I've accomplished that. I'm a good, decent person. Or would you say, I have no justification apart from Christ? I have to say that personally, myself, if I'm honest with you and with myself, there is a tendency in my heart all the time to justify myself by my accomplishments. And you can realize where people find their justification in the things that they talk about themselves. Oh, well, I've done this and I've done that. This is the thing that is really important to me. These are the clues into where you find your justification. How do you justify yourself when you talk to other people? I know for myself personally, there is a tendency always to try to justify myself by my accomplishments to want to prove myself, to want to point to my achievements as my justification, to do certain things in order to justify myself, to make myself worthy of love, worthy of grace, worthy of acceptance. And that's why I have to continually return to the cross. I hope that you do too. I have to continually return to the cross. I have to keep coming back to that place where once again I gaze upon what Jesus did for me. That's why we take communion every week. Do you know that? So that we will gaze upon the cross, that we will return to that place. And remember, it's not about our accomplishments. It's all about his grace. On the cross, at the end of the greatest act of redemption, Jesus said, it is finished. And because of that, we can rest. The gospel is that Jesus lived the life that you should have lived and he died the death that you should have died. And if you rely on Jesus' finished work, as you, you will know that God is satisfied with you. If you rely on the finished work of Jesus, you will know that God is satisfied with you. And if you know that God is satisfied with you, you will have rest for your soul. The stories of the people I told at the beginning you know, there's a common thread there. None of those people have rest. Even when they're relaxing, they don't have rest. There's this turmoil inside of them. There's this striving all the time. There's a tension. They have to do more. They have to attain more. They can't rest. But the gospel message is this, that Jesus suffered the restlessness of separation from God so that you could have the rest of knowing that you are justified before God in him. That in him God loves you and accepts you and your sins have been forgiven and there's nothing more that needs to be added or done for it because it is finished. And when you find your justification in Christ, 
that is when you will find true rest for your soul. That's when you can stop striving to prove yourself to God or to other people. You can rest from the work beneath your work. Talk about that sometimes, right? We do work, but there's sometimes a work beneath our work. Look at Harold Abrams. He's working, striving to get the gold medal. But reality, there's a work beneath his work. He's not actually trying to get the gold medal. That's not the end goal. The end goal is justification. You can rest from the work beneath your work because you realize that you are not justified by what you do, but by what God has done for you. You no longer need to prove yourself that you're a good person, that you have value and significance because in Christ you are a beloved child of your heavenly father. And you who have kids know that your kids don't have to prove themselves to you in order to learn your, earn your love. You just love them, period. And that's what God's grace is all about. It's, it's the unearned, undeserved favor of God upon you. Grace means it's not about what you do for God or what you've earned or deserved or what you've attained. It's about what he has done for you. That is the basis of how God deals with you in Christ. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. That's the gospel. He came to set you free from bondage to sin and he came to set you free from bondage to futility, bondage to vanity, and the thing we learn from the Galatians is this. It is possible to be a Christian, to believe in Jesus, but yet still be striving to justify yourself by your accomplishments. I've done it. I know it. Maybe you have too. But that's why we must continually return to the cross so that we don't forget. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let us not submit ourselves, therefore, again to a yoke of slavery. slavery. Neither slavery to sin nor slavery to vanity, to the elementary things of this world. But may we find true rest in the gospel, in the fact that in Christ we have a justification that is not of ourselves, that's not dependent on our performance, and may we find true rest for our souls and a new motivation for living for the Lord. No longer striving out of fear, striving to justify ourselves, but being moved because of who we are in Christ. The fact that we are justified in Christ, spurred on by the love and appreciation for the one who loved us first. Let us look to the cross, amen? Let's stand and pray. We're gonna take communion now and I encourage you to do that. Lay down those things in which you are trying to find your justification and return again to the cross, your true justification. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you suffered the restlessness of separation from God that we might experience the rest of being justified. Lord, for all of us who are striving to be justified in various ways, whether it's through accomplishments or family, whether it's through work or anything else, Lord, we pray that you would be our justification. Lord, that truly we could lay all of those things down and that we could find rest for our souls at the foot of the cross. And now as we come to your table, we remember your body broken for us. We remember your blood shed for us, Lord. This is our justification. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.